We talked this morning in Sunday school about God's provision for the Israelites in the wilderness. One of the great means of provision that we didn't get to was his daily delivery of bread that the people called manna. Every day they'd come out, and this this was, you know, they cried out to the Lord, and uh, the Lord heard their prayer, and every day they'd come out of their tents, and on the ground early in the morning, when the dew burned off, there'd be bread out on the grass. Now, I can't think of anything that I would like better than to find the front lawn covered with fresh bread from heaven. Amen? And I, I know that bread from heaven would not make my blood sugar go up. It would be, it would be great. Uh, I, I, bread is, is the toughest uh, thing uh, for me, really. If I, if I had to choose between bread and sweets, uh, if they could uh, uh, make an exception. You know, the doctor, I'm writing everything down now. And uh, if I could get one exception, it would be, it would be bread. I love it. But bread, uh, it turns to, to sugar, and it's, uh, it's, it's uh, as bad or worse for you than straight sugar, I guess. So um, I love, how many of you like the bread of Bertucci's when it comes out hot? Oh, my soul. Oh, man. So... But the great thing about that is when I write it down in my journal, I just put bread. <laughs> we, we took the, you know, I'm, I'm learning creative ways. <laughs> we, went to, we, went, we took the Blunkalls to the uh, diner over in Newtown the other day, and um, we were coming out of breakfast, and they just got all kinds of baked goods. And I'm a sucker for those things. They're in the shape of a horseshoe, and they're covered in, in uh, almond. I think they're called almond crescents. Oh, man, they are just, they're, they're killer, though. And uh, so I, I, I bought one and uh, got out in the van, and, and I wrote down almonds. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to lie to the journal, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm being better than what I'm making it sound. I really am. Just went to the doctor again on Friday, and uh, she didn't hit me too hard. So uh, anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, I, the thought of coming out and just seeing bread there in the morning. Now, I understand this. Um, the very nature of what God was doing here it was not necessarily, you know, sometimes we say that, oh, it's bread from heaven. I bet it was the, uh, the tastiest thing on earth. It was not necessarily the tastiest thing on earth. Uh, yeah, it was good if it came from heaven, but God, God was teaching them to depend upon him. So I guarantee you that it was nutritious. I guarantee you that it gave them strength, but I can't guarantee you that it was as good as a buttered roll. I can't guarantee you that it was good as good as a croissant. Why? Because God was teaching them. And by the way, if they'd been obedient, they would have only had to depend on the manna for 18 months. They wound up having to depend on it for 40 years. But it all depends, like anything else, on how they looked at it. 
You could look at that bread and go, oh man, I'm so sick of this bread, which many of them did. But some of them went out and said, wow, look at what God's doing for us. Has anybody else ever had bread laid out for them every morning? This is just fantastic. There are wonderful lessons to be gained from the gathering of the manna. And they can all be summed up in this one statement. Gather the blessings of heaven every morning. That truth right there will make you a a solid Christian. Gather the blessings of heaven every morning. Now, I simply want to share with you, and I'm going to ask you to turn to some scripture here. I simply want to share with you tonight some practical instruction that I see in the gathering of the manna. First of all, I see every morning be reminded that God loves you. Turn over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Every morning be reminded that God loves you. I tell you, if I could only give one piece of advice for every Christian to hear, once you're saved, once you know that you're going to heaven, it would be this. Live in God's love every day. If you live every day with a a strong awareness that God loves you, you're going to figure out everything else. One reason we get out of sorts with God is that we think that God... God lives angry with us. We think God's demeanor towards us is something like this all the time, and it's not. God is your loving Father. And even when you've sinned, He welcomes you. Now, our sin, I'm talking about our day-to-day sin, has to be dealt with. It puts a distance between us and God. But God welcomes you to him to deal with that. And when he draws you close to him, he's going to lead you to deal with that sin and to take care of it. But do not picture God as, he's out to get me. Every once in a while, somebody will say, yeah, well, God got me for that. It ever dawned on you that maybe whatever that was caused you the trouble and it wasn't God getting you? Do you know that sin has consequences? Do you know the Bible says sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death? So why is it necessary when you sin and then you suffer the consequences of sin, and sin always has consequences, why is it necessary for you to turn around and blame God? Well, I sinned and God got me. No, you sinned and you got you. But the way we need to live is in realization that God loves us. For some reason, as Christians, we're afraid to overemphasize God's love. 
Now, don't get, don't be careful. You're going to overstate how much God loves you. You can't overstate how much God loves you. <laughs> Do you really think if you get wrapped up in the love of God that you're going to stand before him someday and God's going to go, now you, you went a little overboard on the love of God business because I really didn't love you all that much. That's not what I get from the Bible. What I get is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then in Romans, it follows up on that, says, the, the God that did not withhold his own son, shall he not freely give you all things? God loves you. All right, so here we are, 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. The Lord, Paul says, direct your hearts into the love of God. Now, we've had this uh, this question before and but I'll go ahead and answer it again so maybe it'll sink down into our hearts when when the Bible says the love of God okay right there when it says direct my heart into the love of God is that talking about God's love for me or is that talking about my love for God the answer is both and actually there's a third element see God's love has three directions. It always begins with God. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. The, that, the first direction is always God loves us. The second direction is we love God, but the Bible says we, that we love him because he first loved us. There's no love that you have for God that you initiate. You're, the best love you have for God is a response. So if you want to love God, you can only love him back. He always loves us first. So if you want to strengthen how much you love God, you've first got to strengthen your realization of how much he loves you. And then the third direction, by the way, is you allow God to love others through you. There's three directions. God to me, me to God, God to others through me. And that's the three directions of agape love. So I've got to begin. So when it says, the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God, is that directing my heart into me loving him or into him loving me? Both. When you live in God's love, there's all three directions going on. God loves me. I love him. I allow him to love others through me. The Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. Now, when you gather that manna, and by the way, this is is our manna now. When I said what a great thing it would be to walk out every morning and see bread on my front lawn, this is so much better than bread that I could eat because man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so I don't see bread on my front lawn, but I do if I choose to, and so do you if you choose to, see bread from heaven waiting for you every single day. You can walk out and say, there it is again. There it is again. And when you do, be reminded God loves you. Be reminded of God's love every single day. Oh, boy, those, those children of Israel, how could they doubt God's love for them when he brings them out? And don't forget, there's no noise out. There's noise of other people, but they're spread out a little bit. They're not totally one on top of the other. It's a large camp. There's no highways, there's no horns, there's no motors, engines. There's just creation all around them. Every morning you get up 
And I love the summertime. I love the summertime when you can keep the windows open all the time. And you get up early in the morning and you can just hear creation out there coming to life. And I tell you what, if, if you can't sense the love of God then, you, you need to get your sensors cleared out. You need to, you need to unclog. Because that's when you hear those sounds and you open up God's fresh bread. And you let God remind you. No matter what you're reading, by the way, you can be reading about hell and realize this is the book that God has given me. He loves me. Every morning be reminded that God loves you. Something else. Every morning be reminded that God has obligated himself to take care of you. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read a few verses here. Matthew chapter 6. Every morning be reminded that God has obligated himself to take care of you. This is a faith strengthener, this, this point right here. Every one of these is, but this, this one especially. What's going to happen? What if? You know, I, I'm not against uh, necessarily this whole thing of stockpiling food, and I probably should do a little bit more of it, at least to, to get us through a few days if we had to. I'm not against that. I'll tell you what I am against. I am against us losing sight of the fact that God has promised to take care of us. Don't be negligent. And don't say, well, God will take care of me. Be wise. But I'll tell you what, if you get your eyes off of God and get your eyes onto, hey, I'm just giving my life to, uh, you know, I'm going I'm to make it for six months, bless God. I don't, I'm not sure that you can prepare for six months or more without getting your eyes off of God. I'm not sure that maybe you can. But don't get your eyes off of trust in God. Look at Matthew 6. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. God knows what you need. Amen? We think we know what we need. We tell God, God, I need that new car. God knows what you... By the way, if you have the opportunity to get a new car, go for it. That's, that's, uh, it's, it's when we come to God and we start making demands. God, I need this. God knows what you really need. Verse number 33, one of my verses that has helped me since I was a teenager but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you God will bring it when you need it don't freak out God will bring it when you need it so I mean I gotta be honest I have a hard time 34 by the way take therefore no thought for the morrow for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is evil or of if I were going to try to make the argument to, to stockpile for six months just to get ready for whatever catastrophe, 
I would have a hard time supporting it when I'm reading these verses. I'm not telling you not to be prepared. Hey, I mean, you probably have a couple of things in your pantry to get you through a week. I mean, if we know that uh, there's a blizzard coming and they're warning about ice and power outages, you get a couple of uh, cases of water, you get some, uh, you know, uh, some canned goods and so forth, and uh, that makes sense to do that. I'm not telling you not to. I'm saying don't take your eyes off of God. A lot of us don't have the faith to live like that widow lived, though. You realize that every day she had to take, she had to scoop out the last bit of meal every day. You know, it's faith that does, it takes to do that. Every day she had to take that scoop and scoop out the last scoopful. Well, that's it. That's it. Let's go enjoy our, I love what Elijah did. I just, he, he was one sarcastic guy. The very first time when he walked up there and she was down to her very last scoop full of meal. And Elijah's walking by and she's out gathering sticks to make a fire. And he said, hey, sister, God sent me here and he said you are going to take care of me. Now, read the Bible. It says that God had told her the same thing. But she wasn't too sure about it. Because when Elijah said that, she said, well, the, the, the fact is, preacher, I, do you ever have that, by the way? You know, you're, you know that somebody is, is counting on you to do something as far as God's work goes. Maybe it's a faith promise. Maybe it's a, something you, you committed to do. And you go, I know people are counting on me, but I just don't see how I can do it. I love the fact that she didn't cancel. I, sorry, I, I, know, I know what God told you, and I know why you're here, but uh, I'm just I'm going to have to... I'm gonna have to I'm going to have to cancel. I'm sorry. No, she just said, uh, well, I'll tell you the truth, preacher. Uh, I'm not sure why God called you here and, and told me to feed you. Because right now I'm gathering sticks to make one last fire, to make one last muffin for me and my boy to split before we die. And I love Elijah. You only have enough for one more? She said, yes, sir. He said, then you better make mine first. <laughs> really? This is the guy that I'm going to feed? Uh, read the story. He said, okay, then make mine first, ma'am. And then he goes on to say, because God has sent me here, and as long as I'm here, you won't run out of food. So she scooped up that last bit of meal, made a cake, and split it three ways. Made a whatever, cornbread, muffin, whatever. Split it three ways. And do you understand that she knew the barrel was empty, but when they got hungry again, she had to go look in the empty barrel. Can you, I mean, can you, can you feel her faith slash doubt? Have you been there? You feel like you've got to have a check or there's going to be, and you've just been praying, and you don't know where it's going to come from, and you go to the mailbox and you go, I mean, have you ever been there? I have. And she had to look into that barrel. You got to be kidding me. Was the barrel full? Nope. There was enough for one more meal. So once again, two days in a row, she had to scoop out the last meal. 
And the next day, she had to go back with that same. And lo and behold, there it was. One more. One more. I, I, man, I don't want to make anybody angry at me. I really don't. But I'm talking to me first, okay? Could it be that we're tempted to stockpile because we don't want to live like that? We don't want to live trusting God for the next meal. I'm not making a case against you stockpiling for the catastrophe. And if, 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 if that's what you're doing, God bless you. But here's what I'm asking you. I'm begging you, while you do that, don't take your eyes off of God. Number three, third thing to be reminded of. Oh, I got to hustle. Number three, every morning, take inventory of God's blessings. Turn to Psalm 68. Inventory. Have you ever worked somewhere where you had to take inventory? Yeah, it ain't ain't fun, is it? It's like, oh, inventory. But every morning, take inventory of God's blessings. By the way, do you know one reason... That God asks us to give 10% of all of our increase. Because in order to get an accurate 10%, you've got to take inventory of what he's given you. You've got to take inventory of what he's brought in. Hey, God's, God's, God's not just giving me a paycheck. And by the way, he also gave me that part that Uncle Sam's taken out. But he's also provided me with this blessing. He's also increased me over here. And you take inventory of everything that God has given you. But here it says in Psalm 68, verse 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Even the God of our salvation, Selah. Or here's the way I pronounced it when I was about seven. Salah. But anyway, Selah. If you genuinely take inventory in the morning, and, and I'll tell you one way to take inventory is just do what Pastor Clark did here when he, when he preached a couple weeks ago. Number one, I'm glad for this. Number two, I'm glad for this. Number three, I'm glad for this. Uh, just That's what taking inventory is, saying what you're glad for. You take inventory. You don't have time to take a complete inventory every morning. It would take all day. But, but let your mind be refreshed every day of what you have. Number one, I have my eyesight. I mean, when you start with stuff like that and forget not all his benefits, you're going to have a glorious day. You won't walk away from that with a sour attitude. Number four. Every day, every morning, be reminded that God is in control. Turn to Psalm 62. You're not far away. Psalm 62. Every morning, be reminded that God is in control. My heart goes back to those folks in South Carolina. People of faith. Why did did God let pastor be shot? Why did God let mama be shot? Why did God let my son be shot 
He was in church for crying out loud. Why did God let that happen? I don't have the answer for that. But I do have this answer. God is in control. God is in control. Psalm 62, verse 8, Trust in him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity. Men of high degree are lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression. Become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Now, if men of low degree are vanity and men of high degree are a lie and all put together, that you lay them in the balance and the, the, the weight says, oh, they're, they're vanity. Vanity means emptiness. So the low lives and the people at the top, the oppressors, the bullies, that's what oppressor means, bully, all put together, they're nothing. Power belongs to God. So why do we fret? Because of the lowlifes. And why do we fret? Because the people of the people that are in power. Power belongeth unto God. God is in control of this thing. People that are, if you line up with God, you're going to be okay. Every morning, be reminded God is in control. Number five, every morning receive what God has for you. Turn to Lamentations chapter 3. Did you get what God had for you every day this week? Could you tell me of anything that God had for you that you, that you got this week? Every morning receive what God has for you. Lamentations 3 verse 22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They, now they would refer to mercies and compassions. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God has something for you every morning. You have to go get it. You have to go get it. Every morning, receive what God has for you. Number six, there's only a six and a seven and we're done. Number six, every morning submit to being content with God. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Here again, here's a choice that the Israelites had to make. Because there was a group of them that were complaining about the good food that they ate back in bondage. (laughs) Back, remember, remember back when they were whipping us? Remember back when we were slaves? Remember back when we lived in, in, those, in those mud huts? Remember back when we had to work 14 hours a day in a hot sun doing whatever fair? Boy, we sure did eat good, didn't we? You really want to go back there? Yeah, because we had all you can eat salad bar back there. <laughs> Followed by a beating. <laughs> 
living a life of godless soldiers telling you to do what, what you had to do what they said or you'd get beat up. But boy, we sure did eat good. How stupid are we? Oh, I miss the days. You know, I we used to have a lot of fun at them parties. Really? Boy, I tell you what, I I, I can't imagine. I, I don't know what it's like to, to be high, praise the Lord. And uh, I got to disagree with Pastor Clark on one point. He said, if, if you didn't get saved till adult, you can't really appreciate grace. I have a different perspective. Maybe if you've never had to live a life of sin, if you've never been spared from a life of sin, you don't appreciate grace. Maybe we don't appreciate grace in the same way. But listen, it's not lost on me that I've never been drunk. It's not lost on me that I've only known one woman. I think I can appreciate grace a little bit. I'm, I'm, I would say that to his face because I'm not angry at him. I'm glad he appreciates what he has, but bless God, I appreciate what I have. But here they were. There was a group of Israelites out there saying, boy, boy, when we were back in Egypt, remember them, remember them olives? Now, I like olives. I am an olive lover. We go out to eat. My wife hates olives. You can buy, I don't even ask anymore. She gets a salad. I start picking out the olives because I love olives. Black. I like the ones with the little red dot in the middle. I love them all. But I don't love olives so much that I'd say, oh, I wish I was getting beat again. <laughs> no, I, I can live without olives if that's what, if that's what it takes. So there's a group of Israelites saying, oh, remember how, remember how well we ate back in, back in Egypt? But the Israelites had to decide if they were going to say, you know what? I'd rather have God and these little wafers on the ground every day. And I can take, I don't care how long it takes to get to the promised land. Uh, do you realize... There were some people that had the right attitude. There were the Caleb's. Caleb had to live. Caleb had to live on manna for 40 years. Now, if, knowing Caleb, he probably snuck out and killed him a mountain lion every once in a while. You know what I mean? But, but uh, uh, he was content to live. Caleb wasn't complaining about, uh, oh, there are no cucumbers out here. He was content to live on the, on the food that God provided. Turn to, are you, did I say 1 Timothy 6? Did I say that? All right, 1 Timothy 6, chapter number 6. And here's a verse that you ought to get deep down in your soul because if things get crazy, you're going to need this. Godliness with contentment is great gain. I don't need to please the world. Hey, do you realize with all this craziness? We had, we had uh, visitors this morning. I'll be honest with you. We had, we had a visitor that was supposed to show up this morning. That's a little bit famous. And I was looking at my message, and I prayed on the way to church, said, God, I'm preaching what I'm preaching. I don't care if he likes it or not. He didn't show up, so it didn't matter. But I was thinking about this little girl who got saved the other day. 
I wonder what she's going to think of what I preached today. You know what? It can't matter. That's why we've got the pop culture church. Because we're worried about what folks think. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We need Christianity that is not looking to show the world how worldly we can be. We need a Christianity that's trying to show the world how Christians do things. This is how Christians do things. This is how we talk. This is how we act. This is how we sing. This is how we dress. This is what pleases God. And you don't have to like it. This is how it, ha- this is how it goes. Every morning, submit to being content with God. This Ask yourself this, as you're mining truth from the Word of God first thing tomorrow morning, is this really good enough for me? Is this really all I need? Number seven, I love this, and this is where we'll close. Every morning, bow down to connect with heaven. This, this, I think all of this is part of what God was doing, but... This is another part of the genius of what God is doing here. God sends something from heaven. It's on the ground. You have to get up early to get it because by the heat of the day, it was gone. And what did you have to do to get it? You had to bow down to get it. You had to bow down to get what God was giving you from heaven. Listen. I believe you can pray anywhere. I believe you can pray lying down in your bed. I believe you can pray driving in the car. I believe you can pray while you're exercising. I don't believe there's a wrong time and a place to pray. I do believe that if you don't make the effort to bow down, and not just with your knees but with your heart, to bow down, I think you're missing something. Turn to Psalm 29. That's where we'll end. Psalm 29. Psalm 29, verse number 2. Psalm 29, verse number 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. And look at the last, read the last part of the verse with me. Ready? Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. One more time. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. One more time. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I I implore you, I beg of you to make the effort to get on your knees and worship the Lord. How does worship go? It goes something like this. God, you're so awesome. You're so awesome. God, I can't believe that I know the God who parted the Red Sea and that I'm talking to you right now. But I know that's that's who you are. You're you're the God who's Spoke 
and the earth was formed instantly. You're so awesome. Oh, God, you're so awesome. I, I'm, you know what? One of our weaknesses is that we like rules. We, we, as much as we, there's something about rules, somebody tell us what to do that we rebel against, but at the same time, we also like being told exactly what to do. Can I tell you, there's no formula to tell you exactly how to worship. Because as soon as you follow a formula, you've probably stopped worshiping. It's just your heart opening up in love to God. There's some times when I'm before God that I, I tell God I love him. And my, I can't, my words, my heart, my spirit can't go anywhere else. And so on my knees before God, I'm not trying to work anything up. I'm just there saying, God, I love you. Oh, God, I love you. Oh, God, I love you. And after a few minutes, I'm like, man, you better get to your list or you're going to run out of time here. And I, no, I can't go anywhere else, but God, I love you. By the way, do you know something? The people on your list, and you need to have a list and you need to pray over it, but the people on your list need you to be a person of prayer more than they need for you to specifically call their name. Now, don't shun your list and use that as justification. I'm saying... You need to, to be someone who knows how to worship and to come into God's presence. And once you get there, uh, calling their name is, yeah, it's specific, it's great. But I just have to confess, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, I really don't. I hope, I hope this is not just a lame excuse. But there's been times where I've just have gotten caught up in God's presence and God's person and I'm out of time, and I just take my notebook that is the, my prayer list. And I say, God, I'm out of prayer, out of time for, for now. Would you bless the folks whose names are in this book, please? I don't think that's a good habit, a good routine. But once in a while, I just get so captivated with God. And I don't know, I think God's okay with that. I'm not encouraging you to be a neglectful prayer. I'm encouraging you to learn how to get caught up in the presence of God. Every morning, bow down to connect with heaven. I haven't told you anything this, tonight that you don't already know. I haven't told you anything that if you were a good uh, public speaker, not saying I am, but if you, if you were a good public speaker, that you couldn't get up here and say the same thing. You've already heard all this before. But be reminded every morning. By the way, I do think, I'm not saying you have to read your Bible in the morning, not at night. I'm not saying that. I know David said, evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud. And I do think that a, a great day begins the night before. But I do think there's a reason that God put it out there in the morning. Because he wanted to set the example of gathering from heaven, heaven every morning. Heavenly Father.